0: As an indie author, are you ready to wear all the hats needed to be successful? Today's guest shares the seven hats indie authors wear and formatting elements to include to be a success. Stick around. Your best writing life begins right now. Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week I bring tips and strategies from writing and publishing industry experts to help you excel in your craft. And as always, I am so very glad that you are tuning in. During this episode, you'll learn the publishing success skills for the indie author, and this is part one. Oh, you're going to like this. My industry expert is Sarah Turnquist. Sarah is a coffee-loving, word-slinging, historical romance author whose superpower is converting caffeine into novels. Oh, she does that well. She loves those odd little tidbits of history that are stranger than fiction. That's what inspires her. Well, that and a good love story But of all the love stories she knows, hers is her favorite. She lives happily with her own Prince Charming and their gaggle of minions, and they sure know how to distract a writer for sure. Sarah's books range from the Czech lands to the American Wild West and from ancient Egypt to the early 1900s. It is so good to have her here. Sarah Turnquist, welcome to Your Best Writing Life. Thank you so much, Linda. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, and we're just going to have a great time today. And I'm going to jump in and just kind of share with you and our listeners that I'm a hybrid author. So that means I have some traditionally published books and I also have independently published books. So I'm very familiar with the indie life and what it takes to kind of wrestle in that um, industry. So I'm excited that you're here with us because you're going to give us some basic things that we all need to understand. If this is the publishing that we are seeking as writers to be indie authors, and when we know all of the hats that we have to wear, we're going to have a decision to make, right? And it's going to be Am I going to choose those hats to wear myself and just kind of switch them out as I go? Or perhaps find someone who can wear one or two or three of the hats too in my Mm -hmm. journey. So this is great information. I'm very, 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 very happy that you're going to be here with us today. (laughs) Excellent. All right. So when we're looking at formatting and we're looking at our books It's really what process, what area am I going to choose to do myself, or as I mentioned, have someone else do it. You say that in general, that there has been
1: a rise in the indie publishing. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The publishing industry itself, as many of us writers know, is very different than it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago. And the rise of indie publishing is still happening. We're still seeing more and more people going indie.
0: Mm. And if we're going indie, we want to do it with excellence. I will tell you, folks, you really don't want someone picking up your book and going, oh, this has not been edited, or it's not, no one's ever looked (laughs) at this, or "Mm, I just don't know. We don't want any turn down or tune out factors. We want Mm. people to pick up our books to read them, to enjoy them, and get in line for the next one that's going to come out. We're going to kick it off with the indie authors, and they're wearing a lot of hats. What's the first hat that you talk about?
1: Well, I think the very first hat is probably the most basic one, the writer hat. And that is the one that we probably feel the most equipped with, um, as God has called us to write. I would also say, though, it is really up to you to develop your craft through books on craft, writing conferences, good quality writing conferences, Mm. online courses, all of that. But let's look at that second hat. We're going to look at a formatter. This is one of the hats that many indies choose to learn themselves. And we'll get more into that. But I would also say that there is space for you to farm this out to a formatter If you're going to do that, though, I would be sure to ask a lot of questions. You want to know what software they're using for formatting. Is that Word? Is that Vellum? All of those things. How much they'll charge you to set up your book, of course, but also be aware that you may need changes to that final file along the way. So you'll want to know how much they're going to charge for those things. But again, it's depending on budget, your skill set and the time commitment that you would have to put in to learn how to format. Or if you feel like it's worth it and worth the price to farm that out.
0: Oh, this is good.
1: And I know that our second
0: part of this two-part series, we're going to be covering the different types of formatting software. So Mm -hmm. folks, you're going to want to tune in for that second episode that we have dealing with the publishing success skills for the indie author. So you'll be able to find that with Sarah as well. Not right this minute, but yeah, (laughs) it's going to be coming up. All right. We know first hat, the writer got it. Second hat, if we so choose is the formatter. And the third hat that you say is a cover designer. Walk us through Mm -hmm. that because it's not as easy as I think maybe some
1: people might assume it is. Right. To get a good quality cover that's going to be competitive in your genre. You really want to think about maybe finding someone that has expertise in that area, unless you happen to be a graphic designer on the side as well, or in your day job. But um, for those of us that are going to need to farm that out, you're going to expect a wide range of pricing. You can find a good quality cover for $200 or upwards of $5,000. So you want to sit down and decide how much of your budget you're going to put into cover design. There really are good designers out there at a variety of budget levels, but I would always make sure you ask for their portfolio if they don't have it available online. Word of mouth is always powerful with industry experts, of course. Um, You want to know, does this cover designer that you're looking at, have they worked with fiction or they work with nonfiction? Do they do both? Sometimes they'll specialize you want to make sure that they have worked in your genre and know the genre standards and expectations for the cover. That's Mm. more important than you might think it is. They should ask you to fill out some sort of cover art form about your story and your expectations of the cover. It's a very collaborative process, especially in the indie world when you have a huge say over what your cover looks like. But I would also add here that your cover designer, a good cover designer, has a very unique artistic eye as well. So that collaborative process should take that into account, that they really do know and have the training to kind of get the feel of what your cover should look like, the mood and all of that. But you'll want to specify what covers you need. Do you need ebook, audiobook, paperback with the spine, those kind of things? Many cover designers offer packages that include one or more of these formats. Just know what you're getting when you commit. And also, just as we did with the formatter, you're going to check on any changes that you need down the road. How much do they charge for minor changes? How much do they charge for what they would define major changes after you've approved the cover art?
0: Mm, That's good. Because folks, you want to, you want to set yourself up and anyone that you are bringing into your team, you want to set them up for success as well. Mm. And I like that you stated that they, that as an author, we, we need to know that the cover designer should be asking us what mm. our expectations are for the cover. Because if this is something that they do, they're going to have that form that says, mm-hmm. okay, what are you looking at? Tell me more about your story. That really triggered me to think quickly, Sarah, oh, this is more of, of a professional person. This oh, yes. is someone who's not doing this part-time. This is someone who knows the importance of understanding and valuing what the author sees and what the author desires. So this is, it to me, it would come across as a higher level cover designer mm-hmm. who is going to take the time to do that.
1: For so certain, good For certain. And a lot of cover designers can actually do what's called photo manipulation, where they pick, you know, we've all seen covers that have very similar looking poses and models on them, but a good cover designer can take a standard photograph, a stock photograph that is that is used multiple times and still make it look unique. Change the hair, change the dress, change a lot of things about it. So that's something to look out for too when you look at their portfolio. Does it does it look polished? Does it look like clip art? Those kind of things.
0: Right. And folks, you don't want clip art. Mm-mm. We're just gonna say <laughs> you don't want it. If you can go and find it and put something together that looks similar to what the cover designer says they would do for you. Yeah. If they send you something, do a quirky thing, say, okay, can you change this so that the person Mm. is actually holding a such and such and have it be something that maybe they can't find. And if they go, Mm. oh no, I can't do that. Then, you know, they're probably clip and pasting a lot of things. Number four, the fourth hat is the hat of the editor. I know this hat is an important hat.
1: Yes, I would definitely say that even if you have strong editing skills, and even if you are an editor, maybe in your spare time, definitely look for another editor for your own book. You're just too close to the content at that point, And you can't always see a lot of the things that another set of eyes would. But when you're trying to find an editor, if you don't have one, word of mouth uh, is very, very important here as well. There is a website called Christian Editors Network where you can find a variety of vetted editors and um, some information about them, their specialties, what genres they work in best, and those kind of things. But again, budget is a consideration. It always is with the indie life. Um, but you can find editors for a wide range of prices, anything from like one two hundred dollars to excess of two thousand dollars. It really really does depend. But I would say when you're going into publishing your book, you're going to need three basic edits to your book. The first one is called content or developmental. They're going to work it. They're going to look at your overall story, your character development. Try to find any plot holes that are there. It's better that they find it than a reviewer finds it, right?
0: Mm, So So, good. um,
1: You definitely want that content editor to be um, able to immerse in that that manuscript, but they're also going to need to be familiar, again, with the genre that you're writing in and what readers expect in that genre. Your second edit is going to be a line or copy edit. And that is more your grammatical stuff, your sentence structure, your commas, those dreaded commas. (laughs) And, um, right, the struggle is real. It Um, is real. My mind immediately goes to ellipses.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just like,
1: how many people, how many ellipses? Okay, no. Right. Um, The third edit is a proofing edit. And that's kind of a combination of the first two. They don't go as in depth on the content. But um, they're there to just kind of make sure everything is polished and ready to go. Uh, Some editors do multiple things. Some of them are copy and line editors. Some of them do proofing and content. It just really depends. But a good editor is absolutely priceless. They will strengthen your manuscript. They will strengthen your work. And it, again, is a collaborative process. Um, I recommend reaching out to a few editors and maybe ask for a five-page sample edit. That's a little more difficult to do with the content developmental editor because they're looking at the manuscript as a whole. But that's a good way to get a feel for how your editor edits, how they communicate with you. Do they keep you updated? Do they make, um, do they make their deadlines? Those kind of things. Well, can I
0: ask you a question on this? Would these mm-hmm. editors, if you're sending them a, a five-page sample, mm-hmm. should you be prepared to pay them for that sample?
1: Um, most editors will actually do a a two or five page sample for free. Um, so I've, I've never paid for a five page sample edit, but there may be editors that would like to charge a little something for that. I'm not, I'm not totally sure about that, Linda. Okay. But I mean, it, it would be
0: something if an individual wants your work, And again, you're hiring the editor. Mm -hmm. So knowing it's kind of like being able to walk in and see someone who has painted a house. You're Mm -hmm. going to look at how they paint a house or what their style is. And then you'll say, okay, now I want you in my home. And this is kind of the same process. I'd like to see your style of editing and will we work well together? So Mm -hmm. it's not a you know, you're not going in blindly do take advantage of this. This is excellent.
1: Very good. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Um, just the, just another note here. I do not recommend taking on the editor hat yourself aside Mm. from your self editing for cleaning up your own manuscript before you send it to that professional editor. Um, potential flaws are just really too hard for you to see.
0: Right. And you say that, um, again, knowing the genre, it can be Mm -hmm. fiction, nonfiction, what are they used to? And if someone is really that fiction editor, they love the story. They love this. Mm -hmm. They may not get the nonfiction content and, and development Mm -hmm. process. Grammar, grammar kind of works. So the, you know, line edits and stuff, Mm -hmm. those work, but be aware of who they are, And what they're used to doing, where they're used to playing and what sandbox. And then you're going to get the right mix and the right person on your team. Very good. All right. Hat number Mm -hmm. five, marketer Mm -hmm. or promoter. Whoa. I know
1: this is everyone's
0: favorite hat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was actually just going to say that, Linda. It's the one that people, writers most often, like the least Right, And it is so opposite from your, from your typical writer personality, because we spend so much time at our computer talking with these people that don't exist, having them talk to each other, that they're very real to us, of course, but to then get out and promote yourself, put, put your work out there on display. It's just a very different thing, um, so there are marketing services, publicity services, but in my experience, they can be rather pricey. Mm-hmm. Um, something like a virtual assistant would not be quite as much as a you know marketing firm, of course. But a virtual assistant uh, can absolutely be an asset for you. Um, but every every service I've come across offers a variety of packages and a variety of price ranges. So do your research know what you need this person to pick up for you. Are you looking for someone to help you with social media? Are you looking for someone that will help you schedule your blog posts? You know, there's there's just so many things to the marketing aspect of being a writer that um, you need to be familiar with what you can handle and what you're willing to pay to be farmed out. Right. I would check reviews of um virtual assistants and marketing services but not on their own website. (laughs) They Ah. they will often put those handpicked reviews, which is not a bad thing. They're promoting their their own services as well. But um, try to get reviews that are unbiased, um, are completely unbiased if you can. And that brings me to hat number six. In the marketing area, we have to worry about our website, right? right? That is your face to the world. And website designers can start anywhere around $100 and more an hour. Um, But there's often a a set price to set up the website. And then you'll want to know how much does it cost to make changes. I do want to mention that there are some things you need to just be aware of when you do a website. You're going to need a domain. That's your address on the Internet. Um, That's going to be around $8 a year. You're going to need the, what what we call the plot of land on the internet that you kind of belong on. That's called a hosting provider. And those are going to be 5 to $10 a month. The more you buy, the cheaper it gets though. And then you're going to need a theme. Like what does your website look like? And then you're going to adjust the theme to put in your information. Now that can be upwards of $200, but that $200 should get you a collection of themes, if you will.
0: Right. And I have... Um... Mm-hmm. Actually, one of my clients is, she's gone to, what is it, 99, oh, what's the website? I think it's called 99designs. I think it's what mm-hmm. it's called, 99designs.com. And you go in there and you put in a request and a whole bunch of people say, hey, I can do this for you and this is what it looks like. And it, it makes it really just kind of cool to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but also getting there reviews, right? You want mm-hmm. to see the reviews. Yes. You want to see their previous work. It's kind of mm-hmm. like having surgery or something. You don't want to be their second client. <laughs> we know that it's hard people and those that are going mm-hmm. into the industry, we know that it's hard, but that's also why a lot of individuals going into the industry who are becoming graphic designers or becoming this is a field that they want to be in, they go out and they do quite a bit of pro bono work and perfect their skills and they get schooling and they get a lot of accreditation. Mm -hmm. Look for that when you're hiring someone because you're the one who's inviting them into your home and you want to make sure that they all have great credentials,
1: right? Yes. I was just going to say that you are hiring someone for a job that has to do with your art. And so that is no small thing. I mean, you're going to pay these people real money,
0: <laughs> right? And
1: when you're starting out as an indie, sometimes that budget is really tight. So just just respect again the professional and their their expertise, but also know that this is this is your business. That's the last hat that I wanted to talk about: the entrepreneur business owner. Yes, it's a very daunting hat to wear. Um, Not only because you're managing all these different hats, but also you're steering your business. You're steering Mm. the car. You've got to decide for you what's the most important thing in your writing career. Do you want to get your message out? Do you want to make money? Do you want to this, that, and the other? But where you point your car is where it's going to go, right? So you want to make sure that you have an idea of your goal as a writer, what you want to accomplish and then what you're doing along the way should be to accomplish that goal. And what do you do
0: personally when, when you're looking at all of these elements of publishing? What, what do you do?
1: Well, I have decided that I can learn different aspects and I have put a lot of time and effort into learning things like formatting uh, my husband is a software engineer, so I am very fortunate that I have a web designer there. Um, but for several of these, I have ta- I have taken many reputable recommended classes online and conferences, not only to hone my writing skills, as we talked about, but to hone my business and marketing skills as well. But I personally hire out editing every time. I'll do it every time. If I write a million books, I'm going to have every single one of them professionally edited and cover design. Um, I feel like that is the first thing it's, I don't feel like that's the truth. That's the first thing that your audience is going to see. That's what's first going to attract them to your book to click on it. And then they'll read the back cover copy, right? Right. You've got to get them in the door. You've got to have a cover that is intriguing, that fits your genre, all of those things.
0: That is so good. Put your money where mm. it's going to make the most sense. <laughs> ah. please, please, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'm here all, <laughs> all week. and But what we want to do is we do want to be very good stewards of our finances. Mm. And uh, I can't imagine father saying, you need to mortgage the house to write a book. Um, mm. I do believe that There is provision that can come supernaturally. That if Father has something that He wants you to do, and this is His desire, it's going to come to fruition. But we all do our due diligence. We look at what I can do, what I can learn, what is the best use of my time and my talents. Mm -hmm. And then I start budgeting and putting money aside. And as you say, Sarah, perfecting your craft, you can have a beautiful looking book, but it truly is the craft of the writing inside Mm -hmm. that's going to release your heart, your inspiration, everything that you have that you want the reader to experience. It's when we Mm -hmm. take the time to learn how to be the best writer that we can. So that's beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So true. now let's let's go to the second half of this formatting. I know that there's basically three areas of formatting. What are we to include in our formatting?
1: Excellent. So the first part of the formatting is your front matter. This is everything that goes before your prologue or chapter one. So you're going to want a title page, a copyright page. That's going to talk uh, that's going to at least tell them who covered who designed your cover and any stock photo sites that you have to credit. You'll want your dedication page, your table of contents, and it is a great idea, especially as an indie, to have a newsletter sign up on the copyright page so that they already know. Yeah, they already know you have a website. They already know that there's a place they can go to learn more. The second area of the book is the body. That is your book content. That's chapters one through whatever. And then the third section is the back matter. That's everything that comes after the epilogue or wherever the author wrote the end. So things like your author bio, your author's note. And I say especially historical writers need to at least consider seriously doing an author's note. And one of the things that the author's note does is it lets your reader know what was fact and what was fiction in your book. Maybe not detailing it completely, but saying, oh, this, this um, war that I mentioned, this battle that I mentioned really took place. And, the, and this was something intriguing I learned about it. But I had to fictionalize this detail about it so that your reader knows that you know you fictionalized some history a little bit. So, oh, that like is that. one of the things that's very important for historical writers. But the other thing you want to do is have your acknowledgements or thanks in the back of the book. This is not always found or included in ebooks, though. Just be aware of that. But that is up to you whether you put it in your ebook or not.
0: Okay. This is good. This is good. So, we know we need the author bio, the author's notes. I really do like that, especially if mm-hmm. I'm reading a historical novel. And I find, oh, this bridge actually exists and you can go across it or you can look through here and see da, 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 da. Well, that may get you on a road trip, you know, so I like that. And then acknowledgements, of course, always acknowledging um, who has come alongside you in the journey. And that's a beautiful thing to do. Now, you also tell us that there are some optional inclusions that we can have in the back matter. And your question that you want us to ponder is, what is the next step you want the reader to take? So there's five things that you say we can consider in this area. What are those?
1: Absolutely. You are taking your reader on a journey through your books just as well as you've taken them on a journey inside this one book. So what do you want them to do next? Give them an action step. Do you want them to write a review? Do you want them to buy the next book, visit your website, sign up for your newsletter? You want to think about that path that you want the reader to take, that next logical step. And so in the back matter, you can include a link or sample preview for the next book in the series or another one of your books in the series if you don't have like a book number three that comes after this book. Um, A simple request for and link for review, maybe. I would be very careful about your ask. Request an honest review. It can sound kind of squirmy and questionable and pushy to ask for a five-star review. Just an honest review. And the more simple your language here, the better. I would put something like, if you can take a few minutes, an honest review would be appreciated. Not very pushy, but gives them that option and that reminder to take that step. If you want them to join your newsletter, which I highly recommend, you want to put something like, keep up with the latest news about my books and upcoming releases by signing up for my newsletter and then give them a link to do that. But in all of those things, brevity is your friend. Mm. Something else that you often see in the back of books is a list of the author's other works, or um, you can do maybe a reading order for the series that that book is included in. So they know where to go next, but very important. And we'll talk more about this in the second half of formatting is vendor specific links. So if someone bought your book from Kobo, that's probably their vendor of choice. You want them to have the link to go get the next book right away.
0: From Kobo and not necessarily from from Amazon. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: So, but we do talk about
0: that in the next episode. You, okay, this has been fantastic. You have given us so much here and wow. I'm mm-hmm. I'm ready to start diving into the research and writing a book. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a couple of them in the works. So, this is this is excellent. Excellent content. Thank you so much Sarah for being here to give us this today and thank you for green to come back and doing part 2 and we won't It won't take very long for y'all to have that episode pop up. Put it on your little antennae there to make sure and check back in. Best thing to do is to subscribe and you won't miss an episode from here. You are a fiction writer and you have beautiful fiction. And Mm. we have the links to just about everywhere imaginable that y'all can get in touch with Sarah. And I know that um, we do have a link for a
1: free book from you. And which one is that? It's a book called A Convenient Risk. And it is the first book in a series, but this first book I'm offering for free. Mm. I like
0: it. I like it. So y'all take advantage of it. The link is there. And tell us a little bit about the Kentucky Christian Writers Conference that's coming up.
1: Absolutely. It is October the 12th through the 14th. And it is in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And it is a fantastic conference. Diane Mills is going to be keynoting. We have tons of fantastic speakers coming to teach classes. There is a pre class on Thursday night, then there's Friday and Saturday. And you can just come for one day, come for the whole thing, bring your teenager at a reduced cost, bring your spouse at a reduced cost, because we know that your journey is all about your family or your family Mm. inspires your journey and that we want to, we want to pour into the next generation of writers, Christian writers.
0: Absolutely. And you, I think offering the discount is letting everyone know, we know that we all function on a budget. We Mm. all function on a budget. So what can we do to make, make it a little bit easier for you? That always is a great gesture. Well, thank you Mm -hmm. so very, very much, Sarah Turnquist. It is a pleasure to have you here. And I can't wait for episode two of uh, this series. I look forward to it. And thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment, if you will, to share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating. Those are so important because it moves us up in the rankings. And when that happens, other Christian writers find us. And if you listen to Your Best Writing Life on a regular basis, sharing this with someone else really, really benefits the whole kingdom. It truly does. Give us a star rating, post an episode review, and hit the subscribe button because you don't want to miss any of the episodes that drop every single week. I greatly appreciate what you have to say as much as what you choose to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best riding life.